0: Hey, welcome everyone. My name is Debbie Manning. Happy Easter. I I am one of the pastors here and you know what? I need the kids to come up to just like keep this celebration going. So if you're a kid or think you're a kid, come on up. Come on up and I'm really going to need your help you guys. So you guys are going to lead this group of people and we're going to need really loud voices and three times. Yes. And three times, you guys are going to yell, Christ has risen. And then everybody else here is going to say, he risen indeed. So you think we can do it? Okay. All right. Ready, set, go. Number one. Christ has risen. Sunday, we are invited to celebrate hope. And on this Easter Sunday, we are invited to believe that even in the darkest circumstances, there is a light that will shine. And on this Easter Sunday, we share the joy that love truly does win. <laughs> it wins. Come here. I'm so sorry. I got it. It's okay. We got it. I got it. Okay. <laughs> Only at the table. That is life and love, and it's messy, and man, is it so much fun. But we are celebrating the love of God um, this evening, and we are doing it with joy. Would you join me as I pray? Gracious God, uh, we celebrate today. We celebrate uh, the love that you have for us, the love that we know in, in your death and resurrection. God, we are so grateful. We are so grateful that you call us to be people that hold hope. You call us to be people that, um, no matter what the circumstances, hang on to uh, the light and the life that you promise us. God, we are grateful for the way you love us and the way you call us to love one another. And on this day, God, we do share the joy of knowing that your love truly wins. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. Oh, I forgot something. Very important. I looked, I kind of heard Maggie. Every year, our offering at Easter, Christmas and Easter, goes completely out these doors. And this year, we are partnering. We are uh, giving our offering to Ukraine Relief. We're partnering with an organization, a local organization over there, that helps care for the wounded. It's actually a personal relationship we have. Someone who used to go here, her family lives there, her dad's a pastor, they're doing incredible work. Boots on the ground, literally, being the hands and feet of Christ. So everything you give tonight, you can go to our table website. You can click on the don- donation giving button and you'll see it right there and you can do that there or at the back of the church there's a box and you can leave a check or money there as well but again all of that will go to help with ukraine relief so thank you awesome job, off baby. to you although i forgot a
1: reading from matthew's gospel chapter 28 now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake; for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. But for now, for for the f- and for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified, he is not here for he has risen and as he said, come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee there you will see him see i have told you so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples amen
2: yeah baby that's my boy wow Hey, good evening, friends. My name is Matt Moberg. I'm one of the pastors here of the church. That was my eldest son, Wyatt, and he kicked a lot of tail in reading that the way that he just did. I'm awfully proud of him. Uh, I didn't realize there were so many people in the room. <laughs> when you're in the front row, I thought it was empty. It's good to have all you back here. I better be in my best behavior all of a sudden. That was, um, but Wyatt, man, that was a, it was a surreal moment, if I'm honest with you, because if you would have told me 10 years ago that, uh, I would be speaking at a church about Jesus and my youngest or my eldest son would be charged with providing the text. I would have called you a liar and taken you out of my phone and said some awful things about you on Twitter. That's what I would have done because it would have made no sense. And yet here we are. Thank you, Wyatt, for providing that text. We're gonna take a selfie together later to mark this moment. I guess it would be an ussy of sorts. We'll send it to my youth pastor that kicked me out of church. Started at the bottom, now we're here. You know what I'm saying? Never mind, okay. He is risen. risen. I said, he He is risen. Amen, amen. Days after, the world sent its hope to the top of a hill where our peace would be torn to pieces, where the Son of Love was stripped naked and strung up, and the blood leaked out, had his life leaked down. In the borrowed tomb where the corpse had been put, there was a stone that started to slip there was a casket that refused to stay closed. And because that happened then, that's why we're doing this now. This is why we put on our pastel colors. Y'all see my pink? Why we put product in our hair, why we eat good food, why we eat the peeps, why we have a celebration. Because if Paul wasn't playing when he said that we are heirs with Christ, then that means when we read what Wyatt just said. If Christ rose up from the grave, then there is no reason why we can't do the same. If Christ overcame death, if Christ came back from what nobody saw was possible, if Christ got on his feet once again, then we will too. That is the good news of Easter. That is why we are celebrating today. All of the premature periods that we have placed on our situations, they have now been cracked wide open into commas. All of the situations that we have said are dead. They have now undied because there was a stone that started to slip. And so one more time, he has risen. He has risen indeed. Jesus says it is finished. And the finished is the it. All of our overs are now over. You can actually begin again. Like tomorrow doesn't have to be a continuation of today. Tomorrow doesn't have to be a continuation of yesterday. You could actually turn a new page in your story. You could actually go around the corner of your problems and start a new venture because Christ got out of the grave, which means that you can get out of yours. This is why we emphatically say he is risen because it inspires us to believe that we can too. That if his death did not keep him down, And our thousands of deaths that we encounter in our lives, they can't keep us down either. Well, they might. They might, right? Because it kind of depends on how you want to see it. Because Wyatt just told us in the text that told him that the women who first came to the tomb to celebrate the absence of death and the presence of the Savior walked away with both fear... And joy. I know that they came to that tomb with fear and grief and loss and trauma and pain, but they got some joy in the mix now too. And so when the women walked away from the empty tomb, they were walking away with bellies full of fear and joy. And the question is, which one do you let take the pulpit within you to decide the story that you're going to live? Whose voice dictates the story That you are going to live. How do you see what's around you? How do you see what's before you? How do you see what's within you? Listen, I sat this morning. I left actually my in-law's house this afternoon. And I came home and I looked at a blank page when it came to all kind of sermons tonight. That's encouraging, right, Lynn? You're in some good grade A sermonic content tonight. But I think one of the challenges that maybe people don't understand as a preacher, it's not as easy as it looks, is that um, Yes, it's the same old Easter story, but we enter into it every year with brand new sets of eyes. Life has happened. Life has changed. I'm not the same person I was last year. I'm not the same person I was last week. We are constantly expanding, constantly evolving, learning new things, losing old things. Life doesn't sit still. And so we enter these stories, and I entered this story reading through the gospel accounts with a fresh set of eyes, asking where is the resonance, where is something that is compelling, what is going to be something that is helpful to pass along to you. And one of the things that popped up this year in the pages of these texts that I had not perceived prior to is that every Easter account in each one of the gospels, it all has to do with the eyes. You, you read the stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all are asking questions about like, what are you here for? What are you looking for? Why did you show up tonight? Why are you looking for the living among the land of the dead? Who is it that you came to seek? Hey, fellas on the road to Emmaus, what are you talking about along the way? In everything that you just told me that transpired in the past few days, how do you actually understand that? Why are you dwelling upon it? How do you see at the heart of the Easter story is a question about your eyes? How do you see the story that you're in? You know, this is the first time, that we were just saying this, wasn't it? That maybe we weren't, maybe it was Christian and I. I'm very present with the people I'm with. One of us was having a great conversation about how this is the first time in years now that we have actually been inside of the church for Easter. I mean, last year we were in the parking lot, we were at the church, but now we're in the church. And there's a world of difference between being at and in. The Easter story is something that we can visit it could be a touristic pit stop of sorts that we make in our annual cycle of life, or it could be something that we go into and let into us. that actually shifts things for us. And so I guess the question I want to set before you is that I know that you're like the women and you've got a little bit of fear on this side, joy over here. Which one gets the mic in the telling of your story? how do you see the story that you're in how do you see the world unfolding around you let me tell you a different kind of story i heard years ago from an old pastor friend of mine it happened in paris at the louvre and it's a story where on a low traffic day there wasn't a lot going on but there was this private tour that was being held and the group was comprised of like world-class athletes i don't know if it was like an olympic committee that put the thing together or some kind of field of that sort but the group was filled with all these world-class athletes getting a private tour of the Louvre, and so the guide took them to all the obvious places that you'd expect for them to go. The guide brought them to the Raft of Medusa, to Da Vinci's Mona Lisa, to the wedding at Cana. All of the treasures that you would expect the guide to take them to, the guide took them there. But then they got to this one painting here. This is a painting that is called Checkmate. Pat, if you can go to that next painting. This is a painting called checkmate. It's by a painter named Friedrich Moritz August Retsch, and he was created in 1831. The vision that the artist had for the art before the group was that it put into paint Goth's famous story about Faust, the story of the man who was so bored and dissatisfied with all that was in life that he made a gamble with the devil for his soul. The guide explains to the group what was obvious to most, and on the left is your, your character who is the devil who is looking pretty psyched about the game in the middle, and then on the right is the man who is less so. The guide tells the group that this piece is called Checkmate, which carries in the title the implication that the game is over. The devil is laughing as the man on the other side is losing. In the painting, the man's worst fears have turned into facts, and all that's left to do is for the angel in the backdrop to process the proper paperwork to make sure that the transaction goes through. What was interesting about this piece and the group's perception of it was that the guide had prior to taking them to the Mona Lisa, taking them to the wedding at Cana, and the group, when they were there, they only politely nodded their heads. But when the guide took them to this piece, to the checkmate piece in the middle of the hall, he looked around the group and he noticed that eyes that were previously dry were suddenly becoming wet he noticed that shoulders that were previously stiff were starting to suddenly soften. When they watched the man on the right start to bury his head in their hands, the people in the group said they could feel their own brows starting to crease. Obviously, they have never sought across the table from the devil with the game in between, but some of them in that group were staring down a diagnosis. They couldn't hear the laugh of anything diabolical, but some couldn't forget the sound of her leaving and the door slamming. Most of them in the group, they knew nothing about the game of chess, but most of them in the group knew something about chains, about addiction, about loneliness, about the children that they lost and the children they never had, about the marriage that was lost and stuck, about the job that would have no life for them. They didn't know anything about chess, but they knew something about chains. They knew what it was like to look at your life and the story that you're in and assume that if I, if I take all the evidence at hand, checkmate, it's over. I can hear the devil laughing, which means that I am losing. Checkmate, it's over. And they started to weep. They started to grow soft, burdened. It's almost as if they were sitting across that table, like it was their head that was buried in that particular hand. The guide, he didn't know what the group was carrying. He he could feel though that the heaviness was becoming palpable and that obviously made him very uncomfortable. And so he said, let's go down the hall to the next piece. And so they all got their things together, they all collected themselves and they went down the hall to the next piece. But one man stayed behind. This man was a world champion chess player. And he cocked his head and he looked at the piece and he pressed himself up close to it near enough for his nose to touch the paint. Something about the two men who were sitting before him just wasn't sitting right within him. And eventually when the group started to notice a few pieces now away that there was a man that was being left behind, they backpedaled, they went back to the piece and they saw this guy with like that apple wheel of death spinning across his face as he's looking at it going like this doesn't make sense. The guide approaches the man, and he says, the guy says to the man, listen, I I am, my apologies. It is obviously not my intention to hold you up. I'm not trying to slow the group down, but I've been looking at this piece, and you told us that this piece is called Checkmate, and how you got on this side the devil laughing, and on this side a man who is lost, and the guide says, yeah, that's right, and the man says, that's the thing, it's not right, because well, you know I'm a world champion chess player. This is what I do. This, this is my sweet spot. This is where I can really flex and show you who I am. I'm a world champion chess player and I've spent my life studying the game of chess which has equipped me to see what others cannot. The rest of the group, they're champions in other areas. They're excellent in other fields but they haven't studied the game of chess like I have studied the game of chess and so they cannot see the things on the board that I can see as I stand here now. I am a world champion chess player, and I'm telling you right now that when you all walked off, I stayed here. And if you're telling the truth that this place, this piece is called Checkmate, well, then they're going to need to either change the painting or change the name of the piece. Man says, well, why is that? That doesn't make any sense. Why would I do that? This piece has been a fixture here at the Louvre, the most prized art gallery of all time. Why would we fudge with anything now? And the man says, because I'm studying the board right now, and maybe you can't see it, but let me fill you in. The king still has one more move to make. And so even if the devil is laughing, that doesn't mean that the man is losing, and he is going to figure, this is not checkmate. The king still has moves left to make. I have no intention of offering you any kind of hype. I don't want to be, I don't want us to be that kind of church where we give some kind of plastic form of hype that gets you pepped up and then you walk into Monday and it still sucks and it's hard and nothing changes. I I don't want that, but I do want you to have hope. Because if this is true, and by this I'm not talking about that peace as much as I'm talking about your peace, Easter, resurrection, the emptying of the tomb, then the king still has moves left to make. Then what was dead before? Can actually get up and walk again. What his sense that we have sensed when we looked out at the board is over. Christ said, Look again. Stay behind when the group goes on. You may not be world champion chess players and you don't see the board like that, but you are children of Easter's child, which means that you don't use the lens of darkness to look at the world through light you see things that the world can't see, which is why you can say with your chest puffed out alongside the writer in Hebrews that we are those who do not throw our confidence away. We don't shrink back. We don't shrink back. We don't retreat with our steps. We don't restrict our size. We stand confidently because we realize that as much as death has come to bark, at the end of the day, it has no bite. The tomb has been empty. He is risen. He is risen indeed. I love Walter Brueggemann who who considers the Easter story and the implications that carry within it, this iconic figure of Old Testament studies. And he says, because of Easter, I can come out from behind my desk, my stethoscope, my uniform, my competence, my credentials, my fears, to meet life just a little bit more boldly, to walk forward a little more confidently, You see, we are celebrating Easter, not because a resurrection happened. We are celebrating Easter because it means that resurrections happened. We believe in Jesus, which means that we believe Jesus when he looked into the tear-soaked eyes of Mary, who lost her younger brother, Lazarus, and said, this isn't the end. He didn't look at her and say, I have heavenly rewards that will offer you little for earthly relief. He said, listen to me. I'm not telling you about a someday pie-in-the-sky resurrection that will happen. I am telling you that I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection, and wherever I go, there are stones that start to slip. There are stones that start to... Where are the stones in your life that you are demanding? It is high time they start to slip. Please let Easter matter to you. Please let's go beyond some kind of abstract low level playing through the holiday season. Let's ask questions about like the dead ends, the place where we feel like we are most broken down. Those could be the places most primed for an actual breakthrough. Resurrection is real. Where Christ goes, the stones start to slip. Fear starts to leave. We got joy over here. We got fear over here. Which one is going to dictate the steps that you take with your story? I told you guys weeks ago, I don't know if this is bizarre, I heard from some of you that it was. But before, I, before church on Sunday nights at five, I go to, um, I feel weird saying it again, should I say it again? Say it again. Okay, I go to, um, what's the name of the cemetery up the road? Lakewood, Lakewood Cemetery, stillest, plot, pot, stillest spot in the city. It's quiet, it's peaceful, memento mori, all of it. You get a moment to catch your breath, collect your thoughts. And so I go there and today when I went there, um, wow i'm having this moment right now where i go there and i sit still for the first time all day and i pray and i ask god i say lord if there's anything that i'm speaking tonight that is going to get in the way with what you would prefer to be said please say it and i don't know that god actually said anything but my mind immediately went to this grave that was next to me and on the gravestone it wasn't one of the ornate ones it wasn't one of the big ones there's a man named aaron sund and Aaron's son's grave said he was born in 1876, and he died in 1956. And in a Good Friday world, can you imagine all the losses that that man had faced? That man lived through the end of Civil War, or the aftermath of Civil War, Reconstruction, the Great Depression, World War I, World War II. Can you imagine? And that's just the societal losses. Can you imagine the personal losses that that man faced? He had every reason to call it quits, to hunker down and protect what was little to protect. But you know what it said underneath his name, of Aaron's son, who was born in 1876 and died in 1956? He says, here lies one who loved people well. Here lies one who loved people well. It is impossible to love people well and protect yourself at the same time. Here lies one who understood that resurrection means that you have nothing to be afraid of. That joy and fear will always speak, but please listen to the joy. Please live with your eyes wide open and don't believe the barks of death. Here lies one that loved people well. May the same be said about us. Jesus. We are grateful for your gift of resurrection. We are grateful that you are the resurrection, that you are always in the midst of moving dead things back to life, to providing that pulse once again. That where you go, all stones start to slip. We trust that that is true. We cling to that as hope. We recognize that even if everything is not up and to the right, even if everything doesn't always get better, even if our days are done and we don't make it, God, we trust that you still do, that you will take us where we ourselves couldn't go because you don't just do resurrections. You are the resurrection. And where you go, all stones start to slip. In Jesus' name, with grateful hearts, we all pray together. Amen.
0: Thanks, Matt. There's so much about his message that struck me, and a couple of words, I guess, that you put together was that, um, we are Easter's child, isn't that a beautiful thought? We are Easter's child, and as Easter's children, we gather here, and on Sunday nights, we share in communion, we share in the Lord's table, and we do that because we are Easter's children. We are connected to God and one another. And we follow a God who is the resurrection of the life. And so when we come together and break bread, no matter where we are, in the darkest moments or in those beautiful, holy high moments of life, we remember a God that knows us and calls us his beloved. On the night before Jesus died, He sat with his disciples, and after giving thanks to God, he broke bread. And he said, this is my body, broken for you. When you eat this, remember me. He took wine, and he poured it into the cup, and he said, this is my blood, shed for you, the new covenant. When you drink from this cup, remember me. So I invite you, in this moment, to take your cup, and you can peel that top layer back. And you can take that wafer. And as you put that into your mouth, hear these words. The body of Christ broken for you. as you drink from that cup, hear these words, the blood of Christ shed for you. And it's the love, the sacrificial love that comes from that broken body and the blood that shed that we remember on this day. And together we hold hope because as Matt said, The king still has more. So would you please stand as together we pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever, amen.
2: Now you can keep standing, we're almost going to close. Right after this, we're going to have ham and cheese sandwiches. Personally crafted by Dev B e and Steve Manning. They're not in the room right now, but they did work hard ever since Friday So please stick around and linger and eat some of uh, uh, these sandwiches. They're proven winners Write rave reviews in the past. You can check Yelp for yourself. Let me close with this story real quick Last week some of you guys know I, I chaplain for the wolves when I'm not here with you And last week we had this moment. Where we were playing the Clippers a big game for those of you aware things went pretty well And we had this moment in chapel prior to, well actually I have to say, probably about five o'clock that day, we learned who the referees were gonna be. And they're kind of refs that we have had some troubles with in the past. In particular, some of our players have had troubles with these refs in the past. And so we got into the chapel room. And before the conversation even started, one of our young fellows started talking about the refs, even mentioned one by name. And while he was doing so, my chaplain, my chapel captain, Patrick Beverly, he shut him down right away and he said, Listen to me. Do not publish a story on Friday that you don't want to read on Sunday. Do not make pain permanent. Do not prematurely judge and reach a conclusion that is wrong when you still have time for it to go right. That conversation stops now. As ugly as the church can be, can it be beautiful sometimes? That's what we do here. We remind one another that when we feel like it's over, when it feels like it's done, when it feels like death is actually victorious, we lean over and we say, guess again, do not publish that story on Friday that you don't want to read on Sunday. Friends, will you close your eyes, hold out your hands and hear these words from the resurrected Christ for you, no matter who you are or what you've done. Who you love or what you've lost, where you've gone or the places that you've stayed. There will always be a space here for you at the table because you are beloved child of God, and you belong. You are a child of Easter's child, and so you will be brave, you will be confident, you will not grow small, you will not shrink back. And you will go and eat ham and cheese sandwiches. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Happy Easter. Grace girl.